spotlighting Hawaii's leaders. We want to bring in Governor David E. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Lieutenant Governor, good morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Mayor Derek Kawakami. Thank you so much, uh, Senator, for being here. Spotlighting the issues. Where is the virus right now in our community? How much is this overall going to cost the state? How are you responding to the community's concerns? Talk about the level of citations that you guys are writing. Spotlight Hawaii with Yanji Denise and Ryan Kalei Suji on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs. Aloha and good morning. Thanks so much for starting your week off with us. I'm Ryan Kalei Suji, joined by Yanji Denise, and this is Spotlight Hawaii on the digital platforms of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. This morning, Yanji, we're catching up with a guest who is joining us from our nation's capital. That's right. We're joined by Congressman Ed Case, live from his office in Washington, D.C. Congressman, thank you for being here. Um, good afternoon here. Aloha to everybody back home. Well, it's good to be with you. Let's start with something we know you've been paying a lot of attention to, and that is Red Hill. Since the last time we spoke, the Navy's released their updated timeline, shaving off about three months at the end. What do you think about this accelerated timeline? Is it accelerated enough? Well, I wish it was faster. I mean, I think we all wish that we could accelerate it even, even further. But I think that um, the bottom line remains um, safety first. And um, if experts out there, including the Navy's experts and other independent experts that the Navy consulted with in preparing that report, say uh, that we've got to uh, get ready before we defuel, then we have to do that. Um, I, th I think I think that, that there's really no choice to that. So, you know, as much as I'd like to accelerate it, and I, and I take it as good news that that we were able to accelerate it from the Navy's initial projection, which was, you know, way too long for my comfort or anybody else's, uh, we still have to put the safety first. And so if, that, if that's what it is from a scientific perspective, that's what it is. And we just need to pull it off. If you can explain and maybe talk a little bit about just the interaction that you're having right now with military officials who are coordinating this effort. Is this a weekly conversation that you're having? Is these Are these conversations and these talk with Navy officials something that is happening on a regular basis? And, and how are you sticking and holding officials to the timeline that they presented? Well, it's 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 far more frequent than weekly. It it is it is it is it is early and often. I guess I would put it that way. We 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 consult with the Navy and others, and so not just the Navy, but the Department of Health, uh, the Board of Water Supply, uh, the community, uh, my colleagues in Congress, both in within the congressional delegation, my Appropriations Committee, obviously, because we're right in the middle of trying to fund the second year at a billion dollars plus. And so there's a, th th this is this is one of the most major areas in my entire office has been for some time now, and it's not it's not slacking, it's not slacking off. There's there's a lot uh, that is still happening. We obviously want the Navy to complete its plan uh, to defuel and close Red Hill as soon as possible. We need to fund it. Uh, we need we need, by the way, uh, to to remind everybody, we we need the both the Environmental Protection Agency and the State Department of Health to approve the Navy's plan. That takes a lot of my uh, time to make sure that that process is moving along because that's critical to the time frame. Part of that time frame is is getting that approval and then implementing the plan. Uh, we have heard repeatedly, uh, troublingly, from too many members of the community about uh, their view that there are there are uh, continuing and persistent health concerns. I've worked with my colleagues in the delegation to communicate that directly to the Department of uh, Defense. Um, we're obviously uh, focused. I already talked about it on appropriations, and so. It's, it's across a broad range of efforts, but uh, the bottom line remains uh, to, to uh, defuel and close uh, Red Hill as expeditiously as possible uh, to handle 
um, any uh, consequences to the community from, from the leaks at Red Hill and to find the replacements for that fuel uh, from a national security perspective and to fund all of that. And, and so, you know, there's, uh, there, there's, there's, there are frequent uh, communications and, and oversight and questions on my part in all of those channels. You know, there's been talk of the Department of Defense appointing a commander who would basically be in charge of the defueling and what whatever comes next for the facility. Um, how soon do you expect that to happen? What have those conversations been like? I'm, I'm smiling because I've known for a couple of days now that that was going to be announced today and I've known who it, who it is and I've been under an embargo. But literally seven minutes ago, um, as I was getting ready for this uh, uh, um, you know, uh, appearing with you, um, they did in fact announce uh, the head of that uh, task force. Uh, this is a task force set up set up by the uh, by the Secretary of Defense himself to to provide a single focal point for the Department of Defense uh, to essentially oversee the entire effort, uh, not just the Navy, but there are other services uh, involved. Um, Admiral John Wade, who who has been at Indopaycom. Uh, for some time now and who's familiar with Hawaii, but has not been directly involved in Red Hill. And I think that that's important. Uh, this is a person that knows Hawaii, that has been has been through this with all of us, but is, is you know, this is not the, this is not uh, the person that was in charge of, of Red Hill being in charge of defueling and closing Red Hill. So I'm comfortable with that choice. Um, and that should be on your on your press lines right now. If you can talk about that relationship, I guess, moving forward, I mean, what role will you and the congressional delegation play in this communication uh, with this appointed uh, leader, if you will, of this project? And, and how are you folks wrapping in? Because when you think about this problem and the issue that has arisen, there are so many voices that are involved. I mean, we're, we're hearing from, of course, all of you in D.C. in the congressional delegation. We're hearing from the governor. We also know that there are members of the city council that have gotten involved, the mayor as well. With so many voices and, and and so many people trying to be involved in this, how do you think the best uh, method forward is to openly communicate while also effectively getting this done with so many people involved? Well, it's, it, it really is a matter of staying in touch, staying in communication. Um, I get regularly uh, briefed and, and uh, updated by the Department of Defense and others um, whether I outreach to them or not, but I don't believe that that's the way to do it. I mean, I can sit in my office and have people come to me, but that's not good enough. Um, you have to go out there and actually outreach. You have to ask the questions uh, that are coming in. Uh, you have to um, oftentimes uh, serve as a, a, a really a, a translator of sorts between our community uh, in Hawaii and, and the Pentagon here, Congress itself, because let's not Let's not forget that um, you know Congress has to fund this, and we're we've we've already funded 1.1 billion in the current fiscal year, and, and I'm trying to get another 1 billion plus in the in the for the next fiscal year, along with the delegation. And so that's a matter of uh, spending a lot of time with my colleagues who who don't um, you know have an immediate uh, familiarity with Red Hill um, and 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 what um, what happened at Red Hill. So I take I take my colleagues into Red Hill. I just took some colleagues into Red Hill uh, six weeks ago again. Uh, so, you know, I, I wish I could say, well, this is the one thing I do. But in fact, it's a variety of actions, uh, a lot of it outreach. Like, for example, now that I know that that the admiral is in charge of the task force, I'm, I'm going to look him up. And the next time I can get together with him as soon as I can, I'm, I'm going to establish a relationship. I'm going to tell him that I'm here to help him. I'm going to tell him that I hear, I'm here to ask the questions. And I'm sure he'll appreciate uh, both of those. So, you know, the, a lot of this is the relationships that you build with the various people of, of hopefully of trust, of credibility, and they un, and and them understanding that 
your job is to protect the people of Hawaii and your job is to is is to assure the safety and to defuel and close Red Hill. So, uh, you know, it's kind of across the board. Tell us a little bit about this, Admiral. I know that you say that you're, you know, obviously seven minutes ago. So <laughs> breaking news with us this morning. And thank you for sharing that. What are your expectations of what he will do? Um, and, and what are your first impressions? You've had this news a little bit longer than we have. So so tell us your impressions of the, of the gentleman who will be heading this up. Well, here's the basic problem with Red Hill, if, if you let it be a problem. And it was a problem. That was one of the contributing factors uh, to, to, to the tragedy of Red Hill is that a lot of different parts, the Department of Defense is, is a huge bureaucracy. It sprawls all over the place and, it, and it's got um, you know, various um, segments that, are, that, are, that, are, that have their own area of responsibility, but they overlap all the time. They have joint efforts, but they're not always coordinated. And we, I think we saw that at Red Hill where there was not sufficient coordination in the in the training at Red Hill and the maintenance of Red Hill and in the response uh, to Red Hill. And so one thing that is, is always a concern in federal government in particular, but especially in the Department of Defense is, is are the various parts of the Department of Defense coordinated with, the, with each other? Do they understand what you, each other is trying to accomplish? Is somebody in charge? Because when you have a mushy uh, you know, a leadership a structure uh, with, with a major uh, multi, uh, disciplinary um, a challenge like Red Hill, you can get yourself in a world of hurt really fast. And so my expectation, um, and I think that the Secretary of Defense's expectation, and this is somebody, some, something, by the way, that the congressional delegation also weighed in to him and said, the Secretary of Defense I'm talking about and saying, hey, you gotta have one person that's in charge. You can't just, you can't just like have three or four people all kind of looking at each other saying, what do we do next? You gotta have one person and that person has direct responsibility to the Secretary of Defense, in this case, through Admiral Aquilino, who is Indo-PACOM. So that's good. That's a coordination at the Indo-PACOM level. And then straight from Aquilino, obviously, to the Secretary of Defense. So that's a good overall structure. So, um, you know, my expectation of the Admiral is that he is going to take charge. He is going to assert that he needs to be part of every decision, that the, that, that the decisions flow to him, that where are there conflicts in, in the decisions from various parts of the Navy and externally for that matter, that he needs to resolve them, cut through and, and make those decisions that are gonna keep this re, uh, defueling uh, project online. So that's my major expectation of him is that he's gonna keep this thing coordinated and on track. Um, other than that, I obviously have uh, other expectations of him. I expect him to outreach to the congressional delegation He's not going to have to do that because we're probably going to find him before he finds us. Uh, I expect him to consult with the community. I expect him to have a very, very good um, um, and 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 a clear message uh, on the actions that need to be taken, so that nobody is taken by surprise as to the steps that need need to be pursued. And I expect him uh, very much uh, to collaborate uh, with his partners uh, in this defueling. And by that, I refer primarily to the Environmental Protection Agency for the federal government. Uh, the state of Hawaii for the department through the Department of Health, the city and county of Honolulu through, through the Board of Water Supply and the community. He needs to collaborate. He needs to communicate. He needs to coordinate with all of those um, um, players. I want to bring in a question from some uh, of our viewers here. Heidi's asking, will Congress assist with the funds to drill new wells? We spoke to Ernie Lau here on this program who said that is currently underway to look for other sources of water now that that aquifer that has been contaminated has been shut down indefinitely 
there are some concerns about those costs that are associated with what has happened on Red Hill. Uh, you spoke about the Appropriations Committee and, and finding funding for that. Will that cover things such as finding new wells beyond just the cleanup itself, but finding other sources of water for the those residents of Oahu? Well, well here, here's really the, 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 the um, policy, um, uh, overall policy goal that I pursue on, on these kinds of questions. Where there was a consequence from Red Hill leaking, from people getting uh, injured, uh, from, from, from threats to our water supply, where anybody had to take a step that they wouldn't have otherwise um, had to take but for Red Hill, that is the responsibility of the federal government. That is the responsibility of, of the Department of Defense. And that should be part of their uh, compensation, their, their, their financial effort. And we have drafted uh, the appropriations bills um, broad enough and flexibly enough so that it could, in fact, encompass um, uh, uh, efforts uh, by the Board of Water Supply to assure an alternative, um, you know, an alternative for our, for our water supply uh, in the contingency that uh, we still do have contamination that may not have shown up yet. And so, and so from my perspective, the answer is we should do that. And I believe we have the flexibility to do that, but we're, we're, we're obviously going to have to work through with the Navy and with the Board of Water Supply directly exactly how we pull that off. I want to move on to some other topics, but again, thank you for sharing all of that information with us. We learned a lot this morning on Red Hill. Um, how do you think we're doing as a country in terms of COVID? We are in kind of the next step, uh, phase two, if you will, the pandemic not over, but uh, certainly not where we once were. Where do you think we are as a community here in Hawaii and as a country when it comes to the virus? Well, I mean, if you ask me for a snapshot today in our country, I would say we're in pretty good place. Um, we have we have seen uh, substantial uh, reductions both nationally and in Hawaii in terms of uh, infections from from COVID. Uh, just in the very recent uh, weeks and months, we've seen roughly a 33%, almost a 33% reduction in Hawaii alone in the last uh, two weeks. We've seen comparable reductions across the country. We've seen fewer people getting infected, and when they get infected, there are fewer, you know, hospitalizations. So that's all, of course, good news. Um, but I, I guess I'm just uh, a little jaded by the experience of the last two and a half years because we've been here before. Uh, and although I think we are in better shape uh, than we were uh, six months ago, a year ago, uh, certainly two years ago, I don't want to I don't want to pronounce uh, everything OK, because um, we have we already know if we if we if we haven't learned by now that COVID is an extremely adaptable virus, that it that it can mutate very fast and create a new and more infectious uh, you know, variants, and then we haven't learned anything. And of course, that is true. That's a scientific fact. That's what's happened. Uh, and so, you know, um, we still have to be, it doesn't have to shut down our lives anymore. Uh, it doesn't have to, you know, uh, cause all of the tough decisions that we've had to face uh, in the last couple of years um, and the consequences, uh, but people are still getting sick. People are dying. Uh, we've got about a quarter of the deaths that, that we did uh, not too long ago. So that's good news, too. But that's more deaths than we had three years ago. So I don't want to say that everything's OK. Um, the facts the facts still remain the same. You know, uh, we, we all need to try to get our vaccinations up to speed. Hawaii is doing well there. Uh, we're above the national averages. Uh, nationally, we've got you know maybe two thirds of folks that have have uh, you know a pretty good vaccination history, but that leaves one third still exposed. That's comparable in Hawaii. We have seen um, increases in unusual places just in the last month. We've seen Japan 
um, up in infections about 26% just in about the last month. That's Japan. They were doing pretty darn well. And so that should be uh, caution. So bottom line, uh, yeah, we're doing we're doing well, but to let it go and say we don't need to get that fourth or fifth you know vaccination, or we don't need to be careful about when we gather together and we we that and there's never a reason to put on a mask again. No, that's not what the advice is from the CDC. The CDC says still be careful and take your precautions and and um, we can get through this, but um, we don't know what the future is going to bring. So I'd rather be cautious in that department. I want to also move on to something else that is in front of Congress right now. Once again, the threat of a government shutdown looms with the end of the fiscal year, which arrives at the end of this month on September 30th. Your thoughts about where you folks are at right now with some of the negotiations that need to happen in order to prevent that and any other concerns that you have with this looming deadline? Well, I'm very I, I am concerned and I, I'm disgusted, I guess, would be a better way of putting it, because, you know, I have um, you know been, been back in Congress this time around. This is my my fourth appropriation cycle on the Appropriations Committee, my, my fourth beginning of the next fiscal year. Uh, the year that I got back here, 2018, 2019, was a full-blown government shutdown. It, the government did shut down. Uh, the next couple of years, um, we came right up to the brink and, and had to go with what we call a, a continuing resolution, which is it's kind of a fancy way of saying, we're just gonna continue to spend the same amounts for the same programs as last year, while we figure out uh, how to how to get done what we should have gotten done by the end of the fiscal year, and these uh, CRs, as we call them, are are highly problematic for our federal agencies in terms of predictability, in terms of of, of funding, especially for the Department of Defense, where it, it just messes up their procurement uh, programs. Um, certainly, I want to get the appropriations uh, bills uh, for the coming fiscal year. And, and by the way, just for your for your viewers, we're talking about October 1st being the beginning of our next fiscal year. So by October 1st, in 11 days, we should have passed all of our appropriations bills and authorized spending for the next year for our federal government, some $1.6 trillion worth of federal spending. We have not done that today. And so we are negotiating a continuing resolution right now um, that we need to pass uh, to avoid any kind of a government shutdown. I think we'll get that done, but that's top of mind uh, to me uh, right now. It's why it's why we're all back here in, in Washington, D.C. We need, we need to get that done. Um, I um, don't think that we will actually have a government shutdown. I think the 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 um, I, I guess the 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 overall um, atmosphere in which we're operating, it seems to be trending towards a, um, a, some kind of a continuing resolution to buy us some time to get the appropriations bills done. But, but it's a, it is a concern. And again, I, 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 it, is, it, it, it does not reflect well um, on, our, on our government in a very uh, continuing uh, partisan and divided time. You know, sticking with money matters, I want to ask you about how much progress you've been able to make on the Jones Act. I know this is an issue that you campaigned on, something that you've been t speaking about for many, many years. Um, just the you know burden that that adds to Hawaii families having that in place, and something that you called on the president to waive, especially in the light of the conflict in Ukraine. What are those conversations like? How has that message been received? Well, you know, I, I've, if you follow the Jones Act at all, you know that I, I don't believe that it is fair to an island state like Hawaii because it creates a monopoly um, in our shipping. And of course, we don't have the options of a train down here from, from you know, California or, you know, a, a truck or whatever. We, we rely on our shipping. 
And if shipping is is captured by by just a few companies as it is, then prices go up. We've seen we probably are paying somewhere in a uh, somewhere around 20, 25 percent extra over the mainland across the board. So, you know, imagine that, of course, we're in major inflation right now, but let's take inflation and then tack on a, a Jones Act surcharge. That's not fair. Uh, to people in Hawaii. Uh, by some uh, estimates, uh, probably the best estimates I've seen of, of, of studies that have actually tried to strip it out and really quantify the Jones Act impact on Hawaii, the cost is somewhere around $650 per person, every person, not family, person um, in Hawaii. That's the Jones Act's cost. So I don't think it's fair to Hawaii. And I've tried to um, uh, uh, get it adjusted uh, for island states like Hawaii. It's a hard slog. The people that uh, uh, like that uh, monopoly are, are, are highly entrenched in, in Washington. Uh, my own colleagues in the congressional delegation have a different perspective. I respect their perspective, but you know, when you're going down, when you're, when you're storming these hills, you'd like to do it with the rest of your delegation. And, and this is a little bit more lonely from that perspective. I am, I am encouraged that there's a lot, the fact that you're asking me that question, by the way, um, is 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 a progress of sorts because uh, nobody would have asked me that question uh, even as much as two or three years ago. Now the Jones Act has a particular impact in in the, the post Ukraine Russian embargo uh, situation because uh, we were getting upwards of 25% of our of our fossil fuel in Hawaii directly from overseas. The reason we did that because the Jones Act makes makes it too expensive uh, to bring it in from from the, from the continent. And so it's cheaper for us to just ship it in on non-Jones Act shippers from overseas. I was coming from Russia. We rightly turned off that uh, spigot uh, even before our country um, did. But now we have to find oil somewhere else. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, if we can't find it on the world market, then we've got to find it from our own country. And yet the Jones Act makes that a practical impossibility. So I asked the president some months ago uh, to, to waive the Jones Act um, in the case of, of getting oil into Hawaii from the from the continent uh, during the Ukraine emergency. Um, and in so many words, what the administration responded to me on was, was, well, if it gets to be that kind of a problem where you are actually not finding oil on the world market to replace Russia in Hawaii, then 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 we'll, we'll consider that waiver. We haven't been in that situation yet because we actually have been able to buy oil in other places on the world market. Uh, um, and so it has not uh, uh, approached the level of severity that 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 could occur um, if we had a true uh, international, um, you know, oil dislocation. But I, I feel that that was a very productive uh, conversation with the administration. So I I've got that um, I've got that assurance to go on if we get to that situation. One of the things that you mentioned was inflation, and wanted to get your thoughts on where we're at, what we're seeing with our prices, and especially here locally, with some of those prices being more than what others on the mainland would see. Uh, do you believe that there is anything that can be done uh, on a federal level that will assist with this, with uh, Hawaii residents that are seeing prices go up? And what is your overall take on where we're at with inflation and the state of our economy as a whole, as a country? Well, I think you'd have to say that uh, that 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 the, the state of our economy, although the, the fundamentals uh, are are pretty solid, uh, aspects of our economy are obviously pretty shaky and 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 and. Um, I don't think we're in a situation like, you know, we were in in 2008, uh, where we had that kind of real tanking of our economy or for that matter, uh, prior situations. Uh, but th these are difficult times to go through. Uh, we obviously all have a sense of, of basic instability in our, in our economy. 
Um, I think that uh, some of the bills that we've passed out of Congress and the president has signed into law have been stabilizing influences on the economy and will help uh, the foundations of the economy, like our bipartisan infrastructure uh, law from last year, um, the, the Inflation Reduction Act that we just passed. I think those will help pull us through this time. Inflation, once it takes hold, it takes a while to get it back out of the system. There's, there's no other way to say that. I mean, that's what history teaches. Inflation, you know, you try not to get into inflationary um, uh, environments because they're so tough to get back out of, at least in the short term. Um, we do know that um, the, the, some of the causes of inflation um, uh, to include uh, really supply chain uh, dislocations are slowly but surely opening up again. Uh, we certainly, um, we certainly are, 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 are seeing a shortage in, in uh, our labor force, which is causing inflation from, a, from, a, from an employment uh, perspective. So the, the, the drivers of inflation are all uh, being mitigated right now, but that doesn't mean it's going to go away overnight. I, I have, um, you know, heard from a number of uh, folks that I, that I consider to be you know, knowledgeable and to have some expertise in this area that do believe uh, that they'll see a, uh, a modification of inflation over the next uh, six months or so, so that it comes down by early next year. But it's not going to get leached out of our system and go back to zero or one or anything like that. Um, so it's going to it's still going to be a long slog. I, I, I hate to say that uh, we can work on it on, on the congressional level, but uh, there's no silver bullet. You know, you spoke about the delegate, the delegation, and I'm interested to know, um, obviously, Congressman Kai Kahele decided to run for governor and is leaving the delegation. You are up for re-election. Uh, if you are to continue, you will continue with a new colleague. Tell us a little bit about what you're anticipating uh, in the next person who will join your team. Well, I mean, not to get into the politics of it, but since you asked me that, I, I think the chances are that if that if I continue uh, here um, that my colleague will be uh, Jill Takuda, uh, who um, I think will be a very good addition uh, to the delegation. I, I've already uh, met with her many, many times um, uh, just to kind of do the same thing I did with uh, Congressman Kaheli at a comparable period, which was to say to him, look, it's likely that you're going to prevail, um, but we can't wait until November to start getting you ready. There's a lot to get ready for right now. And, and, the, and the more you absorb right now, the more you plan right now, the more you know right now, the more you can, can, can work right now to get yourself ready for January, the better it's gonna be for you and for the delegation and for Hawaii. And so I've invested quite a bit of time and effort uh, in try, trying to get her up, up to speed. She's actually in DC. I just saw her about two hours ago. I was in Congressman Kaheli's office. And, and uh, so she, she's here, uh, she's, she's, she's getting ready. I, I mean, no disrespect to her 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 opponent. That's up to the voters. Uh, but you know, I'm making my judgment about about uh, trying to get uh, the person that I think is going to be my colleague uh, good to go, so that when she gets up here um, in January, it'll be a little bit like Congressman Kaheli, who I thought was about the best prepared uh, freshman uh, uh, member of Congress um, ever, <laughs> because he had had he'd been drinking from the fire hose uh, for the four months uh, you know plus uh, prior to that. So um, I need you know I need a partner. Um, this, this is a four person delegation, uh, senators Hirono and Schatz are wonderful partners uh, we've had a wonderful uh, delegation, uh, um, uh, and, and, uh, and, 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 and yet on the U S house of representatives side, um, it's, 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 uh, 
only two of us. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm finishing up my eighth plus year here. So I, I hope I know what I'm doing at this point, but even with all of that, you know, experience and seniority and, and knowledge and relationships, I still need a partner. I can't do this alone. And so, and so uh, for, for, for my purposes, um, if I can develop a partnership, doesn't mean we're always gonna agree on everything, we're not. I didn't agree with Congressman Kaheli on, on everything, but if we can have a partnership, um, that's going to be good all around. So I'm, 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 you know, I'm anticipating that I will have that partnership with, with whoever takes over for Congressman Kaheli. Well, our time is almost up, but before we let you go, we just want to allow you a final message that you will have for those uh, watching here this morning. Maybe those who have concerns about various issues that we weren't able to address. But your final message this morning to those here back here uh, in Hawaii watching this morning. Um, I'm on the job. My office is is open. Uh, we are we are working through the three three parts of my mission. Number one, national leadership to contribute to national leadership on some of the issues we've already talked about. We didn't even talk about some of the major issues like Ukraine and China and and uh, other domestic issues. Uh, number two, to help Hawaii wherever I can. But number three, just to 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 uh, communicate with uh, the people that I represent and serve what's going on up here uh, to answer your questions, to take care of your individual uh, concerns. And so um, I hope that people, um, um, although we're, although we're you know, in the middle of a, of a pretty intense midterm election, both nationally and, and in Hawaii, it doesn't take away from the job that I have. Um, I still have the job. And so as long as I have that job, my, my office is open. And, and the best way in is uh, www.edcase.com. I'm sorry disregard that because I, I used the wrong one. That's a mistake. That's that's not the right one. Um, Case.house.gov. Case.house.gov. We appreciate that. And thank you so much for spending so much time with us, uh, especially on the Red Hill conversation. Very interesting to get your quick take on the new admiral who will be at the helm of so many important decisions here in Hawaii. So thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Aloha. Always great to catch up with him. And as he noted, seven minutes into our conversation, news released that there will be a new admiral uh, taking over the Red Hill defueling operation. That person will be the sole uh, individual in charge of handling the decommissioning of that facility and the cleanup and whatever is to come. That's something that the delegation uh, has called for, the congressional delegation, so that they would have one person to answer, uh, you know, to, to talk to and to deal with. As you noted, Ryan, there are so many different stakeholders in this conversation from the city all the way up to the federal government. So having that one key person is expected to make a big difference in streamlining this process. Yeah, the congressman saying that that was something that they were calling for. And so the announcement of uh, that admiral this morning will help in that process and also saying that he will be reaching out to him soon to begin those conversations and to see how uh, they can work together on this issue. Because uh, as we know, this new timeline that has been set forth, uh, while be, uh, albeit a sooner timeline that was originally drafted, there is still some concern over the length of time it will take. And so those conversations uh, will continue to happen. But you heard from the congressman that safety is, of course, of the utmost importance to make sure that this process is done correctly and done safely. And so having an individual that is assigned to this will definitely help in that process. We also heard from him about his role in the Appropriations Committee and his work continuing to ensure that this is a problem that he is making his colleagues aware of, noting that uh, he's actually given tours to some of his colleagues of the facilities and 
addressing some of the issues and some of the problems and bringing that to a national spotlight and a national stage so that others within the delegation or I should say within Congress understand the importance of funding for this uh, large project that will take some time to defuel. Right. And he did note that he believes that anything that is affected by Red Hill, like having to drill new wells uh, or do with any of the cleanup efforts, that that should not fall on the shoulders of the ratepayers of Hawaii, but really that that is uh, the Department of Defense should be covering that. And so he is working to make sure that that happens. Also talking more broadly about the economy um, and his thoughts on inflation, that unfortunately we are going to be stuck in this for some time to come. He did speak about his efforts to try to clear the way for some waivers on the Jones Act to at least uh, lower the cost of fuel here in Hawaii. He said that there is some, uh, you know, reception of that message at the White House. But so far, we have been able to, you know, get fuel from sources uh, other than Russia, and that we haven't necessarily needed that up until this point. But that is a conversation that he is making some headway on. So that is encouraging as well. And talking about his work and making sure that the government does not shut down in the next 11 days. Yeah, he actually saying that he was disgusted at the point that they're at and they find themselves at right now. Uh, but saying that that is, of course, going to be of the utmost importance with just a few more weeks before the, with that looming deadline approaching. We also heard uh, of his talks and his working relationship with uh, maybe a potential colleague in Jill Takuda, saying that he has been helping her just navigate through this process and uh, looking forward to a partnership moving forward with a potential made in Jill Takuda, both representing Hawaii in Congress. We'll see how things pan out with the upcoming election. But always great to hear uh, and get that update from D.C. We look forward to future conversations with the congressman. On Wednesday, we are sticking a little more local. <laughs> That's right. Governor David Ige will be joining us and we'll be very interested to get his thoughts uh, first off on that truncated timeline, shaving off three months to the end of the Navy's projected decommissioning of the Red Hill facility and also talking about the new admiral who's in charge, his impressions. Uh, you know, that was just announced this morning. We will be interested to hear what those conversations have been like, if he's had an opportunity to meet this individual by then. Um, and of course, his thoughts on how the state is doing overall more broadly. So please Please bring your questions for Governor David Ige. Join us right back here on Wednesday at 1030. We'll see you then. Aloha. This episode of Spotlight Hawaii is brought to you by Long's Drugs.